Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni, and tonight, Delphi Bracketology presents another episode of Bracket U. This week, it's Championship Week. Josh Wilson is our guest, and we'll be discussing the impact of the championship conference tourneys and the seeds that go along with it. But first, we'll hear a brief message from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to uh, Bracket U. Uh, I'm Brian Tonsoni. Josh Wilson is the guest today, and it is championship week where either championships uh, tournaments are rounding up uh, or they're just beginning in the bigger conferences. And Josh and I will take about 45 minutes to discuss the impact of the conference tournaments uh, on the uh, bracket and the seeding lines of the teams involved in the bracket. Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, Brian. Uh, it's a beautiful Monday in the state of Indiana. We got our hour back yesterday, and like you said, it's championship week. So it's uh, like I preluded last week, it's the uh, greatest time of the year. Um, and we kick it off tonight with uh, the SOCON championship, and I believe uh, is it the Western Conference semifinals. Gonzaga's on later tonight. That's always a fun conference tournament to watch out there in Vegas. You know, some some people say that this week might even be better than the first round of the NCAA. I don't know that I buy that, but there is a ton of basketball on starting this evening, and and um, North Carolina Greensboro gets a, a two nothing start as we are recording this on on Monday night. Uh, some implications with the bracket in these small conferences. You know, if there's upsets, then a bid might be stolen from some of the mid majors, and I know that's important to to you and I. What are your thoughts? Uh, is this week better than the NCAs, or um, would you still say the first weekend of the NCAs are, is, is more enjoyable? Uh, I would say the first week of the, the NCAA tournament's the best. I, I always take that week off from work, uh, especially now that you have kind of the first four playing uh, over in Dayton. So you get games Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening, and then Thursday, Friday, it's from like noon to 10.30. And, I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, it's uh, certainly – some fun basketball to watch and, it, and it's truly, you know, do or die, win or go home. And so you get 12 hours of continuous basketball and it's, it's nonstop. Um, I got one game on the TV, one on the computer, maybe some, another one on the tablet and, you know, just keep flipping back and forth. It's a, it's a basketball fan's dream. I, I tell you, March is, is incredible for basketball here in the state of Indiana with the high school tournament going on. And then I, I have to agree, the NCAA tournament for me is just a prime viewing, but the championship week has, has been special. And ever since the last four years that uh, we at Delphi Bracketology have been involved in trying to uh, select the tournament seeding and bracketing, you start learning the procedures. And boy, this week really becomes uh, important. And so uh, a couple of things to our, our listeners. Um, the seeding procedure is for the entire body of work this season. And so we, we must remember that one game this week is, is basically one 32nd of a resume. Some games will obviously help, uh, some will hurt, but it's not a major moving uh, event with a win or a loss this week. Uh, some teams have put themselves in a position where it's a lot more important than others, but one of the things that we've learned, Josh, is that you can't just sit here and determine the whole season's seeding and a team's outlook based on two or three games back to back to back here at the end. I think early on in our time, we put too much emphasis in the conference tourney. 
the committee is meeting tonight and tomorrow and Wednesday, and generally by Wednesday or Thursday, they have a good portion of the of the tournament already selected. Uh, and and then they just start planning their seating and, and they save the last selections probably Friday night, early Saturday, they have the field selected. So there's your championship games on Saturday in, in some of the big conferences, the SEC, uh, the ACC, the Big 12, and the Big 10, the semifinals haven't even been played. And the bracket is almost complete by that Saturday morning, short of maybe uh, a last couple of teams that they're considering to put in. So by by that time, you know, the, a lot of people say if, if a team wins a championship or gets to the championship, what's their seed going to be? That might be um, already determined. And, and that was a little bit of a shock to us that uh, the conference tournaments are, are more of a seeding thing than a, a get you in thing. Uh, but they're still fun to watch and they still have some impact. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a ton of fun to watch. And like you said, it, it's, it's more about, you know, the seedings are already done because, A, the smaller conferences – are I mean those games have already been played. So if there's a team that you know isn't that wasn't at large bid that you know steals a bid, you know they're probably already on the seed line somewhere, 15, 16, maybe twelve at the most. Um, but yeah, it, it it certainly is a great time to you know to sit back and reflect. But you you don't want to get too much recency bias in it. You know make maybe like a team like Kansas or uh, Virginia. They've done a ton of work so far this season. You know if they lose to whether it's Iowa State or Virginia gets, you know, clipped in the semifinals or the quarterfinals of the ACC. That I mean, that has no they – they probably lost to a good team, at least a team that's in the tournament for the most part. So, I mean, there, there should be no bearing on that, and I'm glad the committee doesn't take that into a, a large account. So, as, as we go on, and Delphi Brackets has tweeted out some things, we, we, we hate to say lock uh, because a lot of things can happen, and, and it's a bunch of teams in comparison. But we think if you're – on our one through eight line, uh, you're pretty much safe. Um, if you're on our nine line, those are Iowa, Minnesota, Old Miss, Seton Hall, relatively safe. I know a lot of people have Minnesota a lot lower than us. We are higher on Minnesota than a, than a lot of teams, so we, we might be missing the boat there. But once you get to the 10 seed line, TCU, um, Washington right now is in because they're the leader of the conference. If they don't win, they're going to be in jeopardy. Utah State, Syracuse, Temple. St. John's, Arizona State, Ohio State, Indiana, Creighton, Clemson, Belmont are all teams that we have in, but this week could be important, at least the first game. Alabama, North Carolina State, Florida, uh, North Carolina, Greensboro, who's playing right now, those are the main competitors to move in to our bracket from outside where the conference tourney early games might be important. You have some outliers like Memphis, Oregon, Xavier, Georgetown, and Providence who have some good quality resumes. Uh, that that might get in. So the bubble is kind of, I said earlier, tw uh, 20 teams for seven spots. It's probably more like 13 or 14 teams uh, for seven spots. And, and those are the things that need to be focused on. The rest of them might be a seed or two, or, uh, a seed line, or just an overall spot or two adjustment in the tourney. Josh, what are you looking forward to uh, this week? I know you're a Big Ten guy. Let's start in the Big Ten tourney. And obviously our Hoosiers have a, a big game. And if you'd get started explaining that and then anything else you're looking in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's certainly uh, a big game both for IU and uh, Ohio State. Ohio State's coming in on a three-game slide right now. Obviously, uh, you have to take into consideration that Caleb Weston was suspended for those three games, and I'm sure the committee will look at that as well. Uh, so I, I really I have Indiana and Ohio State kind of neck and neck, and uh, obviously 
uh, you and the kids do as well, kind of in, in you know, the bracket info here. Uh, that, that's going to be a huge game, a lot of implications. I think, um, you know, if Indiana wins, they get to 18 and 14, they get another shot, of, obviously, a, a good quad one win opportunity against Michigan State for the third time. Um, if, Ohio, if Ohio State wins, Indiana's going to sweat it out till Sunday. Um, it's going to be tough for them to get in at 17 and 15, I think, unless um, there's really, really no bit thieves. Um, so uh, a lot on the line for both. And I, I honestly think the Big Ten tournament is just so special just because, especially in years like this, there's going to be a ton of teams that have opportunities um, to really make some noise. Even the teams that play Wednesday, there's a couple of them that can really get loose. Um, I tell you one team to really look out for, they've been hot lately, is Penn State. Uh, they open up against Minnesota. And I think we agree there. I think Minnesota's in the field. They've got a good resume. They've got some good wins. They've had a solid year. But uh, Penn State can make some noise, certainly, uh, coming through that bracket. So um, this is probably the best the field has been in a long time. And I really can't wait to uh, to watch you know the Hoosiers play Thursday uh, early afternoon and just watch the tournament. It, it's, it's probably one of my favorite conference tournaments uh, to watch a little bias there for fandom, but uh, I think the Big Ten's got some of the best basketball in the country. You know, uh, I think the Ohio State-Indiana game is almost an elimination game. I think Ohio State can lose and still possibly get in because they've lost the last three games due to it, and they, their best player was suspended for three games. And uh, I think they can survive that. They have four quad one wins and four quad two wins and a lot of road wins in those in those quality wins. So, uh, but I don't think Indiana can survive a loss. I, I just think uh, th their their horrible streak during the the um, January and February run has got them to where a lot of people don't think they'll even make it with two or three wins. But uh, I, I think Indiana is very close to being in with the win. I think everyone else is is pretty much um, situated. I, I don't know that the tournament's going to change a lot. Wisconsin's hanging on to a four seed. Uh, you know, if, if they get beaten their first game, they could possibly get passed because not because they lost, but because someone in the five seed range does make a run that that's when the, some teams fall. I, I think Purdue's pretty much etched in a three, although Kansas is sitting at a four with a really solid record, but they've had injuries and, and defections on their roster. I, I think, uh, the committee is going to be cautious with them. Uh, I think Michigan, Michigan state are locked in the two, although some people have, you know, a Michigan dropping down and LSU moving up, but boy, there's some there's some interesting things with LSU as well. I agree with you on Penn State. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to play them, uh, and, and uh, you know you could see them winning a couple and getting to the semifinals uh, and, and making a, a push. I think they've really uh, turned things around in the second half of the season. Uh, let's move on to the uh, SEC conference. You, you have teams Kentucky and Tennessee that have been fighting for the top of that conference and for the number one seed, but neither of them won the conference. It goes to LSU. Your thoughts on the SEC uh, championship tournament? Uh, it, it, I mean, that one's generally top-heavy. Um, I think it's got a little more depth this year, and I, it's going to be exciting because obviously Tennessee is, um, you know, full of a bunch of old guys. They kind of play, you know, Rick Barnes kind of rough and tough basketball. Uh, Kentucky will be exciting, um, as always. Uh, LSU is an interesting – uh, interesting team just because of what's going on around the program right now. And you're really not sure who's going to show up, kind of what the mentality is going to be, uh, how much these guys are going to buy in. You know, moments like this, it, 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 you really come together or you fall apart. I mean, obviously they were to win, able to win and uh, lock up the regular season championship. But uh, that's going to be a tough situation to overcome, especially moving forward. 
Uh, I like Auburn. They got good guards. Um, they they weren't as hot uh, earlier as they were earlier in the year as of late. Um, that that's going to be uh, that's going to be a fun tournament. You know, I always forget about Mississippi State. Um, they've had a really good year. They're at twenty two and nine, um, eight and six in quad one. So they've got a really good resume. They can be dangerous. So that that's that's going to be a little bit of a deeper tournament uh, this time around. Uh, more more often than it is really. So that that should be uh, that should be good. I. I don't know. Kentucky's been hot, and they they're they're on a one seed, so I think they do enough to stay on the one line. Uh, but uh, I think I think they probably them in Tennessee. Well, they're probably the two and three, so they would meet before the championship. So I think whoever wins out of Kentucky, Tennessee, will take home the conference tournament. Yeah, it, it'll be an interesting tournament run. I think LSU at the one seeds got the easier run in the tournament, uh, but I do think Auburn. Uh, might give them a little bit of run. As far as seeding, we've moved Auburn up lately uh, because they've done nothing uh, but add some wins before they had zero quad one wins. and Their quad one record is three and seven. It's not great, but they have 10 quad two, and, and they're sneaking up. Um, we had them as an eight and a nine most of the year. Now they're in a, in the five, six range for us. Uh, Kentucky and Tennessee will be in the one and two. Uh, Mississippi State is an interesting uh, we, we have them in a six range. They have eight quad one wins, but the mm-hmm. NCAA now has team sheets and the team sheets are broken up into, you know, tier one, a and one B, um, just split down the middle. You need to be a one through 30 at home opponent to get a quad one tier one, a is one through 15 and, and two a is 16 through 30 of those eight quad one wins. Only two of them are in the top tier. And, um, so Auburn has only three quad one wins and they have one in the top tier. So that's a new kind of breakdown for the, for, uh, the committee to look at, which looks at the quality of wins, just not the number and quantity of wins. And I think that the committee will, will look at both. When we go back to the Indiana Hoosiers, if you look at the last, um, six, seven, eight in, and the first four out, uh, Indiana has three tier one, a wins. And the closest uh, team has one. In fact, several have one and several have zero tier one, uh, 1A wins. So quality of wins matter just as much as um, the quantity of wins. What do you think of the LSU uh, coaching situation, Josh? Do you think that's going to affect them in their play? And do you think that might affect them in their uh, seating? Well, I, you know, I, I was thinking about how committee the committee would look at it. Obviously, you know, you lose your head coach. Um, that's got to, that's certainly got to have an effect, um, on their turn tournament performance. Cause obviously the, the, the main steady voice isn't there anymore. Obviously there's going to be a lot of distraction, a lot of speculation. You gotta, you gotta, uh, assume that, uh, the coaching staff that is there is going to do a lot to really lock the, the borders down around the basketball team and try to keep the outside, outside noise out. Um, you know, I really think it, it depends on how they fare. In the SEC tournament, I think if they get beat early, we might see him unravel a little bit. Um, and I also wonder, uh, the Javante Smart kid, who it was rumored that he was the player in question on that uh, the wiretap, and with him out, um, does the committee take that into effect, and does that cost them a seed line, or at least a couple, you know, couple spots maybe on the the the, the four seed line? It's hard telling, um, but I'll, I'll be curious to see how they come out and play in the SEC tournament because I think that's going to be the first sign of are they locked in or has this really gotten into them? And the only game that we can tell is a, a game against Vanderbilt who had not won a game in the conference, so you really can't tell. Yeah. Uh, I think the committee is aware and the committee wants to pick teams 
that'll be ready to play next week. And if a team is without their coach, they're going to have to evaluate LSU this week specifically for that. LSU has a two-seed resume, number-wise, quality-wise. You could very easily make an argument for the two-seed. But with the unknown of the coaching uh, situation and the player situation, I think they're going to stay at the three to where they're at. And I think we might miss Josh on this when we put into the bracket matrix. I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if they don't play well in the tournament that they just drop down because they feel that this LSU team is not the team that built the great res resume. And, and, and I don't know how far, but uh, unfortunately, we have experience with it in, in our Hoosiers um, with mm -hmm. Samson getting fired the last five games and, and a certain somebody that uh, took over. Uh, and all of a sudden, Indiana had a great record, lost a couple games, but jumped, fell all the way down to an eight seed uh, and probably had a, a three or a four seed resume. So I'm not I don't want to scare the LSU fans. We got a couple great followers on, on our Delphi bracket page, uh, you know, so I don't think you'll see that. Uh, but it may be a three or four. Uh, and if, if Kansas uh, has plays well, Kansas might move up to the three and LSU down to the four just because those two teams have a lot of uh, questions right now as, as to who the team is. Um, here's an interesting tournament. Um, the American uh, Conference, Athletic Conference, uh, right now we have four teams in, and they're the four buys. Uh, Houston, the one, you, uh, Cincinnati, the two, Temple, the three, and UCF, the four. And we have Memphis sneakily off the bubble, uh, not in our first four out, but they're 19 and 12, I believe, maybe 20 and 12. I can check that real quick. They have only one bad loss, and they have great strength of schedule numbers, and that's one of those teams that no one has talked about. 19 and 12, 3 and 7 on the road, 1 and 8 in quad 1, 2 and 3 in quad 2, only a quad 3 loss. Quality is not there uh, as far as Tier 1 and Tier 1A and 2A, but there are 53 net, and they play the tournament on the home court, and they are a five seed. And so, you know, if they win two or three, does the committee throw, throw them in? If they beat UCF, that's the second uh, quad one win. All of a sudden now I think uh, that might be the team. We, 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 every year the, we go, how does the committee pick them? They weren't on any, anybody's radar. Your thoughts on the American Conference, a team like Houston uh, and Cincinnati are the favorites, I would imagine. Yeah, and I've I've tried to watch a few American uh, Athletic Conference games here over the past few weeks uh, to really try to get a grasp of how really how good Houston is. And I mean, they have a couple of good players. I I watched them get beat at home by UCF. I wasn't overly impressed, uh, but I mean, they've had a really good year, so you can't discount that. I'm really intrigued by Cincinnati. Um, right now, they're on your seven line. So I mean, they get. They, they kind of fell apart at home there on senior day, and obviously Mick Cronin had a, a pretty infamous uh, post-game press conference. Um, at, he's saying he was going to go ask Luke Fickle if he can have some trials from the football players because that's just how embarrassed he was um, from their performance. So I'm really, I'm really anxious to see how they regroup and kind of what happens there. But I think Houston has to be the favorite. I think UCF – I mean, those are probably co-favorites. I mean, that, that can probably go either way. Uh, but I think if, if Memphis can get a win or two, um, you know, you're going to have to think about it, especially if some teams uh, fall off in front of them, like like a Clemson, Clemson, North Carolina State, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. They play each other. They face off, and they're both right there on the bubble. If North Carolina State falls off, Memphis is right there to take advantage. 
So I'm, I'm very eager to see if Memphis can take advantage, you know, do their part, and maybe some other teams help them out. Penny Hardaway in the NCAA tournament, wouldn't that be something uh, as be. a coach? you got to like the job that, that, that he's done. Uh, Houston is an interesting comparison. When you start getting to these teams that don't play in the big power five, 29-2 and two is pretty impressive. Houston might have a chance at a two seed. Uh, it's hard when teams have nine, eight, 11, 10 quad one wins, and Houston's sitting there at five, but they have no losses outside of quad one. Their quality numbers, three in, in tier 1A, seven in tier 2A, I think they're solidly a three. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they dropped to a four just by the committee, uh, but their, their overall net is four. So I, I see them on the two or three seed line. Uh, Cincinnati plays great defense. They always struggle for offense. And if Mick Cronin's one of my favorite coaches, he is really tough. If you go to his practice, you better have some earplugs or better not be too upset with what goes on. But he's as tough as it gets, and his teams are gritty. Uh, they play a lot of defense, but like last year, they couldn't hold a lead against Nevada, and and Houston was a little more athletic yesterday. So uh, I do like I, I do like a, a repeat of Houston-Cincinnati. I think Temple needs to get, get at least a win. Uh, they're somewhat safe, uh, and that means off the first four in, in our bracket, but a, a loss could be um, early compared to runs made by other teams, uh, and Temple's resume is is just questionable at, at best. I think UCF is in. Uh, they would do well so, to uh, get to the semis. Yeah, go ahead. A question about Temple, because obviously you see guys like Seth Davis or, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the media guys um, – Really, I think they have an emotional connect because they're really – even John Rothstein, Rothstein said after Temple won, uh, I forget who they beat last, maybe it was UCF, um, you know, that Fran Dunfrey needs to be in, his, in, in the NCAA tournament on, you know, his last season. So do you think the committee really thinks about that? Maybe they have like – you know, there's an emotional attachment with a certain part, um, you know, that they would get more ratings from the media – uh, attract more fan attention. Do you think that plays a role at all, especially with um, a, a coach the caliber of uh, Fran Duffy? That, that, that's a great point, and, and the answer plain is no. And, and this is our fifth year of looking at it. Uh, I don't believe that they sit there and say what match – you know, a lot of the talk is we're going to put certain players in and super, certain superstars in. We, we want them in. Well, we've seen that. Ben Simmons didn't get in, and and maybe the records – I don't know. Their records were, were under 500 or something, so there, it was easy for them not to do that. Uh, Trey, uh, Trey Young last year when said the reason Oklahoma got in was because of mm -hmm. Trey Young. Uh, I, I don't – it's nice for Coach uh, Dunfrey to be in. I think it, but you know, their record of two, they have two wins in quad one and six in quad two. And, and that's pretty good for the bubble. Uh, when you look at it, it's still weak. Like I said, they, I don't know that they can afford to lose uh, in their first game, which would be to Wichita state, which would, and, or Eastern Carolina, that would not be a good loss. Um, but um, no, I don't think they do that. And, and most of the matchup, theory conspiracy theories are because of the geography charge mm -hmm. from the NCAA where you have to play somewhat uh, close to home uh, flight miles uh, to, to schedule your pods and you end up playing teams that are, are relatively close because you know, let's say a Kentucky gets placed in a pod close to the Midwest and you're a Purdue you're going to end up going to Kentucky's pod more likely if you're if that happens simply because of flight miles. And, and it's the charge of the NCAA. It's not 
committee members sitting there going, boy, this would be an interesting matchup, or these two coaches don't like each other, or these programs had an interesting game in November. Let's put them here. That's not the talk. The procedures are pretty clear cut on how they put people into the tournament. And I think the selection of teams is pretty clear cut. You have to have good records, your quad one wins, a good net, all of those criteria. And it's done by voting, but I don't think they sit there and say, ah, oh, this guy's retiring. So uh, he mm-hmm. automatically gets in. Uh, if that's the case, Mike Dom from South Dakota State would be in because he was a heck of a player. Uh, yeah. Chris Clements from Campbell would be in. A heck of a three, two, three thousand point scores would be great media. The ESPN with John Morant, they could have a heyday with all the great players and great coaches. Uh, I, I just don't think so. We had a, we had a question, Josh, uh, in the chat. Tyler Asher, thank you for listening, Tyler. We appreciate it. Um, and so this is going to lead into our Big Twelve discussion. Uh, Tyler asked, what is the big difference between Texas and Indiana resumes with people having Texas in and IU out? Tyler, I wish I had uh, an explanation for you that makes sense. Um, if we, we had Texas in at 16 and 14 when Texas was 16 and 14 and IU out when they were 15 and 14 because our group said you have to be at least two games over 500 to be considered. We flipped that. As soon as Indiana went two games above 500, now they're three games above 500. We believe Indiana's resume is good enough for them to be in. Texas resume is good enough to be in, but they're sitting at 16 and 15. I simply don't think the committee will put a 16-team loss in unless it's just the last team available. Uh, Texas did have some nice wins, but at some point, I wouldn't, and I'm a big IU fan, I wouldn't be opposed to saying we're not putting any 15 lost teams in, but in the last two years, they've done that in in crazy situations. Vanderbilt had a good, solid schedule and had some wins. I think Indiana's six wins really might get the committee's attention, and the fact that there's some injuries played a part in some of those losses. And, and if you just say that two of those results would have flipped, and you can't do that, and the committee really does not do that, but you're looking at Indiana right now being nine. If they were 19 and 13 headed into the Big Ten tournament, they're locked to be in. Uh, even with the crazy 12 to 13, I think Texas and Indiana's resumes are very, very, very similar. And at one point, Texas had a little bit better quality. And I know that sounds weird when Indiana's beat Michigan State twice, but um, beating Purdue a three seed, beating North Carolina a one seed. Uh, let's say this Texas and Indiana are very, very close. They both have a series of bad losses, and the team that figures to be more above 500 has the better chance to get in. And so uh, I've never understood why uh, some of the professionals, Lenardi and Palm, had Texas as high as a nine, but IU out. If you're going to have Texas in, you better have IU in or have them both out. Uh, So I I can totally see why you would keep Indiana out, their road record. Uh, their overall quad one and two overall record is eight and 14. There's good reasons to keep Indiana out. But, but yes, Tyler, that was a, a tough uh, thing. And, and we'll head to the 12. Uh, Josh, you want to add anything about Texas and Indiana? <laughs> well, there's look, Texas only has one chance. They open up the Big 12 tournament against Kansas. So you lose there, you're 16 16. There's no chance. So um, that, that conversation's probably um, a mute point. Uh, come March 14th at about 9, 9 p.m. That's when Kansas and Texas tip off. If, if Texas wins that, that's going to be a huge, huge, huge boost to the resume. But at that point, they're still 17 and 15. So they have to win out because at some point, if they lose, they're going to have 16 losses. 
the best they can be is 18 and 16 yeah. and, and not win the automatic qualifying. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I like Texas resume, but last year, Oklahoma state had six quad one wins and, and they were sitting at like 92 in RPI and didn't get in. And, mm -hmm. and we made the mistake last year of putting Oklahoma state in based on their number of wins and didn't look at their overall, the other criteria, the RPI was so bad last year, we shouldn't have put them in. Uh, that was our last decision. Our 48th team in, we had an hour long discussion. Um, and, and we, it, it went the wrong way. It actually cost us winning the bracket matrix. We would have won the bracket matrix twice in, in three years. If, uh, the vote, the vote came down seven to six in our committee. Uh, and mm. Oklahoma got in based on strong number of wins. And so this year we're probably a little biased against Texas because they have strong number of wins and, and we're just not going to fall for that trap again in the, in the last bit. Um, some other big 12, we got a question about Belmont also, but, and we'll get to that. The, the big 12 is tough. I, I, I don't think any results are going to really change anything. Texas has to make a run. Um, Oklahoma, some people are down on Oklahoma and TCU. Their resumes are good enough to be in. Even, even if TCU loses to Oklahoma State, that, that would put TCU in jeopardy. Oklahoma's not in jeopardy. Um, they don't have anything solid, Josh, but they're, they're pretty, pretty decent. Um, and, you know, you, you could, you're just going to have – see if Texas Tech and Kansas State is, um, you know, going to – win the conference tourney too, or is, or is Kansas, I think the big story is Kansas. Can Kansas mm -hmm. make a run a little bit to show everyone that they're really the same team that was at the beginning of the year with Azubuke and Vic. Uh, so that's the big story here, but I don't think any of those teams are going to be knocked out with the loss simply because um, they're tough. Any, anything else about the big 12? Yeah. You know, kind of real quick back to the Texas subject. If you beat Kansas and then you have to play Texas tech who would presumably beat the winner of Oklahoma, West Virginia. So even if you beat Kansas and you lose again, you're 17 and 16. I just, there's, there is no path for me to have Texas in the field unless they win the big 12 tournament. I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, if Oklahoma loses to West Virginia, that, that should be an exciting game. Obviously that would not be a very good loss, but um, like you said, that the, the committee doesn't really, you know, sit on recency bias. You know, Oklahoma has a decent resume. Um, the the intriguing game for me is Baylor and Iowa State. Um, Baylor is on the eight line right now, and Iowa State is on the six line. So that that's that that holds uh, some weight uh, for seeding. So I'll be eager if Iowa State wins, does Baylor fall? Because Oklahoma and Baylor are actually both on the eight seed line right now. Yeah. So does you know what happens with Baylor, especially if you got some teams behind them, you know, shuffle on up a little bit, and then yeah, I think TCU if they if they lose that opener, um, it's they're right they're right now they're kind of in the nine ten range. Um, that 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 could be that could be troublesome, especially Oklahoma State, a team that just hasn't had a real good year. So um, uh, that should be uh, it's really be really good. And Iowa State, they've struggled, and they've and, and we have a question in the chat about injuries. Uh, injuries are taken into effect, but just how much is is really unknown. Everyone has a minor injury. A, a player sitting out a game here. Uh, Matt Hoosier twenty four in the chat says, "Tough for those minor injuries to be considered." A team like Clemson didn't have a twenty point per game score against a loss against Mississippi State. I think those things are shared. There are so many across the nation that I, I wonder how, how much they're really taken into consideration. Mitty knows that. Um, 
a one game or a two game uh, situation. And, and here's the other thing. The committee can't automatically say, so Clemson had that player out. They would have won against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a, a five seed or a six seed lost with their 20 point per game scores. So you don't automatically flip a loss into the win column. Um, what, what I do think is in the Duke situation, different teams, there's one with Zion and there's one without Zion. And I think everyone has to admit that Duke is much better. How does the committee look at that fairly? Um, I think I, Indiana's injuries may fall into that minor situation too, a concussion, missing a couple of games and a, and a, a recovery. I think Indiana's injury thing is they had three major players plus two backup players out for a significant portion of their seven-game losing streak. And they played well before, and now everyone's back and they're playing well. So the committee can sit there and say, man, they had a rash of injuries in the middle of the season. They're not going to turn – They're not all, Indiana's not going to be a one seed all of a sudden because they're just going to dismiss those games. They lost those games. But if it comes down to Indiana and a Florida, and Indiana has six quad one wins in Florida, and they can say, you remember Indiana had a tough stretch there of seven games, so we don't like their losses, but there is a reason for those losses. The individual game, North Carolina State lost a, a score in a game. That was brought up to us. I'm sure – you know, Michigan State is an example. They beat Michigan twice with their injuries and lost to Indiana. Do you take away those two Michigan wins because they played without Ward and without um, the guard? I will tell our listeners they are – taken into effect what you try to do is figure out what is the team going to look like at tournament time duke uh and zion need to show some things lsu without their coach needs to show some things indiana with their full squad have have won four in a row if they beat ohio state those are the ways that committee then gets around the injuries i'm not sure the minor one game ones have a major effect that's a great question uh jonathan uh warner i hope i pronounced that right said how um or there was a question. Let's go. Jake Wilson said, if Belmont gets in, what seed will they be? I think Belmont's an 11 if they get in. Uh, th they have a tough go. I'm not really pleased with their uh, resume. Uh, they have a couple of quad one wins and a few quad two wins, but they haven't really beaten anyone. They beat at UCLA, but UCLA was really poor at the time, and Alford was coaching. They didn't like him. If the committee wants to put a mid-major in right now, Belmont is – is it. If Wofford gets beat tonight, they're down 5, 25 to 20. Wofford will get in. Um, Belmont is real, real close, but I think they'll get an 11 seed. Your thoughts on Belmont, Josh? Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of the national media guys saying that Belmont deserves to get in. <clears throat> My question is, why do they deserve to get in? They've won a lot of basketball games. Uh, you know, that can't be taken away from them. Um, they, you know, they bring up what the three top 100 wins, two of them coming against Lipscomb. And, you know, outside of beating UCLA, which we have come to know is not a very good basketball team, they, they haven't beaten anybody. And they lost to Jacksonville State so twice. So does Jacksonville State deserve to get in? So that's kind of my dilemma. And you know, I wouldn't be, you know, <clears throat> mad to see Belmont in. I, I think if you, you know, I'll take a little bias here. If you put Indiana and Belmont next to each other, I mean, who do you put in? I mean, do you want to see the mid-major team, which is always fun, but or do you want to see a top-five draft pick with a team that's beaten really good basketball teams this year that has an opportunity to make a deep run? You, I mean, people will vote for both. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, go ahead. The thing I like about the committee is that it is in the transparency they're trying to show. It they have to have criteria, and you have to stick to that criteria. If it was just about who the superstars were or who you'd like and then 10 people just get to vote on their favorite teams, 
I think you'd have a lot more uproar with the NCA. You already have a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least the NCAA committee can say, here's what we do. Here's our wins. Here's our losses. Here's what go, goes in. And, and I think that's un- – if there's a problem, Josh, in not having too many mid-majors, then the criteria or the rules need to change. Mm-hmm. But the rules say, who do you win, where do you beat them at, who do you play matters the most. If they want mid-majors in, save two spots. Say there are two mid-major at-larges, the football – Football does that with the with the one power six or the non power six conference gets one in the in the championship series thing. I would have no problem with that. Then you could say at the end uh, of the tournament, here are the two best at larges that did not win their conference tournament, uh, and you could place them in and seed them then against everybody else. Uh, but you got to play people to to beat people and play people and beat people in order order to get in. Um, and that goes, uh, Jonathan Warner. I hope I pronounced that right. Said, how many bid stealers do you suspect we get this year? I, I think for, for me, uh, Wofford, Buffalo, Nevada, Utah state, um, those teams are going to be in the tournament. And if they don't win their conference tournament, I still think those teams. So that's three conferences and three bid thieves that I think are definitely in Belmont would be the fourth bid thief. I don't think, uh, anyone else. You might say the Pac-12 because they might be a one bid. We haven't gotten to them. We'll we'll, we'll finish up here a little bit with them. Uh, Washington keeps sliding, uh, and it's kind of hard to to see a, a conference champion regular season not be in the tournament. But Washington has not beaten anyone who is in the field. Zero wins against teams who are tournament bound. They have two statistical uh, quad one wins, but their resume is really, really, really lacking. Um, and so there's no guarantee that Washington gets in. So if an Oregon State wins the tournament, Oregon State might be the only one in. Arizona State's hanging with a 68 net. So um, we can go to the Pac-12, uh, and we got the Big East, and we're, we're kind of running up against time. But um, so, you know, man, I, I think that's going to be the extent of the bid thieves. I don't think Lipscomb and Furman – uh, we'll get in. They're interesting cases. Uh, Furman beating Villanova. They have a quality win. That's why they will get in if we're wrong. But again, across their st- schedule strength, 217th overall schedule strength. I think that is taken into effect uh, somewhat by the committee. I don't think Furman gets in and, and Lipscomb losing twice on their home court to Liberty, who was 63 net. I, I, I don't see Lipscomb getting in. Those are great stories. Uh, but again, they don't they don't fit the charge that the NCAA is in. What are your thoughts on bid thieves, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always uh, a neat storyline. I think there will be a couple. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Belmont. You got to kind of watch out for them. Uh, Wofford, who's in a dogfight right now. If UNC Greensboro wins that game, there's a bid thief because un- undoubtedly Wofford will be in the pack. Um, and then you you kind of wonder about the Pac-12 as we're working our way into that conference. So if Washington and Arizona State don't make it to <clears throat> to the conference title game, do they get in? That's a big question because I think the Pac-12 we've seen, anybody can lose to anybody on any given night. Um, and then what happens, you know, if Washington and, and or Arizona State, one of them makes it to the conference title game but loses? So I think, you know, that that's going to be a very intriguing. I think that that, that conference tournament is going to provide – uh, a lot of movement kind of on the, the back half of the field with at-larges and bit thieves. Uh, that, it's it's going to be very intriguing, especially for fans of 
Indiana and teams that are right there, Ohio State on the bubble, things like that. Um, you have to sweat it out a little bit. The Pac-12 is really going to be interesting because, you know, Washington and Arizona State as the one and two seeds better win their first quarterfinal game. Arizona State's got some nice uh, wins. They beat Kansas. They have some numbers. But they have two quad three losses and two quad four losses. And they're one of the few teams in the tournament consideration that have two quad four losses. You can go down to the Big East, which is our last uh, tournament to talk about. And Providence, Xavier, and Georgetown are way down the list. They don't have any quad four losses. They have two quad three losses. So, uh, and they have some wins. Xavier, look at Xavier, Providence, and Georgetown's quad one and quad two. Fours and fives show up. Uh, th that's gonna that's the conference we're going to end on next. But this Pac-12, you Washington and Arizona better play each other in the championship, and then you then the Pac-12 will definitely get two in. If one of those teams doesn't make it, they you know if you get upset by Stanford, Arizona State, Stanford in the quarterfinals, or Washington gets beat by Arizona in the quarterfinals, I'm not sure they're making it. And boy, there will be an uproar. Eight loss, twenty-three and eight. Washington left out for a seventeen and eighteen and fifteen Indiana team. That that's where it gets kind of juicy. So hey, we're, we got to get done here in less than an hour. We're right about forty minutes right now. Let's go to the Big East, Josh. Um, talk about your thoughts on Villanova and um, Marquette. Seem to be faltering here down the stretch. Can do they have enough to uh, recoup and, and make a run in this tournament and the NCAA? And and is there a sleeper for you uh, in the Big East? Uh, I think Marquette's got enough uh, to really get hot. They have really good guard play. Everybody knows about Marcus Howard. Uh, they've got the, the Hauser brothers. Uh, they, they're solid. Uh, you know, teams that can really shoot, you know, if they get to feeling good and uh, making shots, they can be dangerous. You know, you, you know, Delphi Brackets has Marquette on the five line. So I think they're solidly in the field. Um, Villanova can be in trouble if they lose early. I don't think – I think they're in the field, but they may slide a little bit. Um, so they have to be careful. Uh, they'll get the winner of Providence Butler. I mean, the, the Big East is just a jumbled mess. But if there's a team I have to watch out for, um, it's St. John's just because they, they've been really good and then they've been really bad uh, lately. And I think Georgetown could probably make a little bit of noise. But I think St. John's has really good guard play. Um, Shamori Ponds, you know, they're, they're going to play in the garden. And there's just always something magical that happens with the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden. Um, so St. John's is probably a team to watch out for. St. John's and Georgetown, probably my two sleepers in that conference. Villanova's lost four or five. I think they have to have a good showing to kind of stay um, on the seed line where they're at. But Marquette has the most to gain, I think, because I think if they get hot, they can carry that in um, and have a, have a decent seed, uh, you know, the four to six range. Um, and, you know, we've seen Big East teams get hot and run to the national championship. Not saying Marquette's going to do it but they have dominant guard play, and we've seen what Marcus Howard can do a couple times this year. It's a guards game. You, you and I have talked about it. you got to have a great point guard running the show. you got to have ability to shoot the three to win consistently uh, in the NCAA, and I think free throw shooting down the stretch is also important, but good guard play. You know, when you fill out the brackets after Sunday, everyone, look for your guards um, if they get hot. Uh, and unfortunately, St. John's has taken a hit because Villanova and Marquette have struggled down the stretch. And that's one of the things that is not right about the, the criteria system that we use and the NCAA uses is that sometimes it's what your opponents do that affect you. You know, uh, St. John's beats a Marquette team twice when Marquette was hot. But that's not credited. Now, now, they, now they look at Marquette team who's sliding to 29 in the net. Uh and, and that's a little unfair to a team like St. John's. So St. John's goes from relatively safe eight and nine 
down to a lot of people, 10, 11, and maybe even the first four out because their wins don't look as good because Villanova's in a slide and, and Marquette's in a slide. Madison Square Garden, beautiful facility. The Big East Tournament needs to be there all the time. Big 10, no way. Stay in Chicago. Stay in, 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 in Indiana. Anna or Indianapolis needs to host it every year. Yeah. Um, but Chicago, Indianapolis, it's a Midwest conference. And if, if Rutgers and, and those teams want to come join us in the, in the Midwest, they can, we don't need to go join them at market square arena. That's a little bias. Sorry to our East coast uh, listeners. What a, what a tournament. St. John's is seven. Mm -hmm. uh, Providence is eight. Providence has an outside long shot chance because they got some quality wins. You got Creighton, who is in our last four right now at seventeen and thirteen because they've won four or five in a row. They've got to play Xavier. Xavier had a good run down the stretch. So you got the bottom teams that have made runs, and the top teams who have fallen back. Here's a there's a bid thief, maybe, uh, maybe not because I think if Xavier goes to the championship game or Providence goes to the championship game, they might have earned an at large anyway. But the Big East is normally a great tournament to watch. A really a, a lot of bracket uh, implications. Um, this year thoughts overall about the bracket procedure. I've tried to get you um, up to date here a little bit in the last couple of weeks uh, since our basketball high school basketball season ended. Uh, any questions for me, Josh, from you on a, on a bracket uh, perspective, as you look at uh, what we've done on our spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, I'm really coming along. Uh, it's a lot of information to take in. Uh, you definitely look at things a little bit differently. Uh, all the metrics are uh, really neat to understand exactly how the committee breaks it down. I think I've probably gained a little bit better of appreciation for the whole process of Selection Sunday, um, especially now that CBS is going back to announcing them by bracket and not alphabetically anymore. Thank God. That was terrible. Um, you know, I'm just looking at all these teams, and I think, you know, I want to get your um, you know thoughts here as we wrap up on the ACC. I don't know that we dove in a whole lot with them, but I think there's a very, very big game. Yeah, that's my bad. I did. I have all of them listed here, and we didn't get to the ACC, which is probably one of the best tournaments. I, I misplaced the paper. but So let's talk ACC. Go ahead. Yeah, Clemson, NC State. I mean, they're, that's the 8-9 game. Winner gets Virginia. I think the loser of that game is out. Uh, Clemson um, is hanging on by a thread. Um, they're right there on what the 12 or 13 line. Uh, we have them. They got yeah. a 35 net. I mean, 19 and 12. Uh, they're one and nine in quad one though. No, no, no quad three, no quad four losses. Um, and then NC state, if I remember correct, is kind of outside looking in. Yeah. They're what uh, they're the second team out right now. So their base thinks they're in like at the seven spot though. Yeah. Well, you, you could ask uh, all the bracketologists have been, uh, been inquired by NC State fans. We love you, Wolfpack, and good luck to you. Um, but, you know, the, the resume is what the resume is. Yeah, they, I mean, their strength of schedule is awful. Uh, they, they didn't play anybody out of conference. You know, they have two quad three losses. They're 8-8. They're, they're eight and eight. I mean, they're 6-0 in quad two, certainly. 2-8 two in quad one. But, you know, I just I, – they haven't, they haven't really – They played yeah. – there's four double plays in the ACC. They double played North Carolina, and then they played the three worst teams double played. And conference record doesn't matter, but a lot of people have been saying to me, hey, well, they're 9-9 nine and nine in the toughest conference. Well, you played six games against the bottom teams, and you actually lost one to Georgia Tech mm -hmm. and Wake Forest. You lost two of the six games to the weakest uh, part of the bracket. Uh, and that's where the quality looks in, too. We don't just look at the numbers. The committee just doesn't look at the numbers. They, they kind of they, they know probably a lot more than you and I know about that. 
uh, the big thing about the ACC is Zion. Uh, can they make a run? If Duke makes a run, they may grab a one seed. Can the ACC get three number one seeds? Your thoughts? I think it's very plausible. Um, I mean, Virginia, they're, they've got to be pretty much locked into a one seed. They've had a great year. I think North Carolina deserves a one seed. I mean, they swept Duke. Um, I mean, they've lost five times all year. They're uh, 16 and five and quad one and two. That's uh, that's very impressive. I mean, they don't have any bad losses. They're very dangerous. And, I, you know, I think if Duke, I'd have to pull up the bracket. Uh, so North Carolina is going to be the two seed. They're going to be the opposite of Virginia. So uh, if Duke and North Carolina make it all the way to the semifinals, they'll match up again, which would be very interesting because, you know, I'd say they swept Duke, and you kind of got to take that with a grain of salt because Zion played all of 35 seconds um, against do, the Cardinals. Do you punish a team for winning games on their schedule? You don't, I, and I never will. Uh, and and that, that's the toughest question because it's legit. Mm -hmm. Do they sweep if Zion plays? But you can't play a game on paper. You played it on the two courts. Right, and, they, and, you know? and Duke still has two top five draft picks. So, I mean, yeah, I mean it's not like they went from, you know, <laughs> they went from Duke to Rutgers. And, you know, Rutgers is a solid basketball team up and coming, but there's a very large, you know, margin <laughs> of difference. There, so There is a big complaint for if North Carolina gets knocked off the one seed line or Kentucky gets knocked off the one seed line because Zion comes back and – they go on to win. That that's going to be an uproar, mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't know that that's fair. I mean, it's obvious Duke at full roster is the best team in the country playing well. That doesn't mean they're going to win every game, but but they're the best roster. They're the best team, and they're dominant when they're playing well. So it, it's almost a travesty not to have them on a one line, even though they lost without Zion. That that's going to be the committee's really tough because you got Kentucky and Tennessee who deserve consideration. Heck, Michigan State deserves consideration for that one seed line. So, you know, that, that's another thing in the bracket matrix where we put in for the, the you know, the, the tournament of bracketology. You could do everything right, and we could put tennis – or we could put Kentucky as a number four seed, and they end up with three ACC teams in that bracket or in the number one seeds, and you don't get all the points that are, are possible, and yet you had no way of, of knowing what the committee was thinking. But right. the ACC is just going to be fun, fun to watch. I think um, Clemson, uh, North Carolina State is a vital uh, early on. And, and other than that, I think a lot of the teams um, are relatively safe. Um, I don't know if there's Clem – well, we mentioned Clemson. Everyone else seems to be okay uh, that will be in from, from the ACC, but it's always good basketball. Yeah, well, Louisville, I mean, say – so they'll get the winner of Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, which I don't think either one of those teams are very good. Um, I mean, if Louisville slips up there, they've, they've, I mean, that'd be an ugly loss. I don't, it would, would they fall at all? Would they fall a seed line for you guys? Here's the interesting, that's a great question. Cause Louisville, I'm not sure what to do. They were, um, they were up in the reveal, but they've lost a lot since the reveal started mm -hmm. after that Duke, uh, you know, mega meltdown. They're the third strongest schedule in the country, strength of schedule, but they're four of 10 in quad one, four and two. And there's, they're right now sitting on the sixth seed line, but Villanova has a chance to go above them. Cincinnati has a chance to go above them and has been above them for a while. We had Louisville at the seven for the longest time. So a loss like that might be enough to drop them just one spot. But if they drop from 24 to 25, they go from a sixth seed to a seventh seed. And I'm telling you, if you're a two seed, that second game of the week, first opening weekend is going to be a, a bear if you run into a Louisville. 
Yeah, they're so, tough. That, that, a lot of implications out there uh, in Charlotte this week. Uh, that, and, yeah, and their quality of wins, they have three Tier 1A and three Tier 2A wins, so their quality speaks of a six seed. Um, and, and you always got Nevada, Wofford, and Buffalo, you know, Wofford loses, but they'll get in. Do they drop down to an eight seed? I, I could very much see that because uh, they didn't win the championship. If they win the championship, I think they're on the seven seed line. That plays a role in, in teams like Louisville um, as well. What are you going to do? UCF is sitting there real close on, on the eight seed line. But uh, I don't know if there's – Louisville story is nice find there. Uh, I don't know uh, anybody else in the uh, ACC that really needs to cover – and win a lot. I, I think Virginia Tech is solidly uh, in line. Um, Florida State solidly. Those two might be playing for a four or a five, Josh, as I look at it. We have Florida State's 15 and Virginia Tech 17. So, you know, the team that goes a little bit further might have an argument to move up or down one seed line. Yeah, I, and so Virginia Tech, they lost, uh, you know, their, their point guard, Justin Robinson. He's like the all-time assist leader at Virginia Tech or maybe the ACC. I can't remember which one it is. Um, I, I've i heard he might come back, so that would play a big part, but he's been out for so long, that would be interesting to see how they yeah. – Didn't they beat Duke without him? Uh, they did in Blacksburg, I believe. So, you know, there's a situation – the guys asked the injury stuff in the chat – you know, there's a situation where they had some nice wins before and they had some nice wins after, so you kind of just morph them together and there's really no injury report. Right. You just take Virginia Tech for what Virginia Tech is, obviously noting that you're going to put them a little bit higher if, if their guard comes back because obviously they'll be better. Um, the only worry there is how do you mesh them back in right away, as we've seen uh, in the team that we follow. Sometimes it's not the games you miss that are bad. Those are bad too, but it's also some of the two or three games once you come back, getting back into game shape. Again, that'll be interesting to see here with with Zion and uh, UNC Duke uh, round three if it gets to to be in the semifinals next Friday or this Friday night. Um, Josh, let me go through uh, a little bit and and stop me if you have uh, questions. We're just going to run down here uh, a little bit as we start uh, wrapping up. You know, one seeds. I think we have six teams trying for or one seed. We've talked about that here with the ACC. The the big decision is Michigan, LSU, or Texas Tech for the last two. I think Texas Tech is making a big push. If they advance and win a championship, they might sneak up to the two line. Uh, the fours and fives can be mixed. That's Kansas. Kansas State, Florida State, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, Maryland, Marquette, Auburn with good pushes. That's where you might see a flip-flop, but those people, those teams are probably going to play each other. Uh, that that. The big difference there is playing a 13 seed is a little bit better than playing those pesky 12 seeds. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to get on that four line. The bad thing about the four and five line is you win the first weekend, you, you're matched up with the four biggies, um, you know, in that sweet 16. But everyone will take it at that point. Our six, sevens, and eights are good quality teams. Might move up and down from Mississippi State down to Oklahoma, Baylor. Baylor's interesting to be that high, I think, Josh. But uh, they have three tier one A wins and five tier two A wins uh, of their um, their overall wins, and their losses were early, uh, and they re you know um, structured their team after some injuries uh, late December, and since then I think they've been a real solid ball club. Our nines we believe are okay. We mentioned them earlier with Iowa, Minnesota, Ole Miss, and Seton Hall. When you get to the ten line, these are teams that should need to. They should want to win at least TCU, Washington, Utah State, Syracuse, and then the bubble as we talked about. So the 
the bracket for us has taken some form, you know, one through three, then the four through fives, then the six through eights, the nines, then the 10 and 11s are sitting there. Then you got the 12s and the first four out. That's kind of how we're, we're looking. Teams can move in and out of those sections based on a good good run. Remember, the conference tournament might make a seed line change up one or down one, but not a huge jump unless you have a team from nowhere make a huge run like Michigan a few years ago. Um, and, and then the last few spots are going to be decided by the first couple of rounds. So when we start watching basketball Saturday afternoon, a lot has been decided. The teams are basically in at that point, and then it's just a matter of finalizing the bracket. Your thoughts on on what we have so far? Any any last questions? Yeah, um, no, I love the rundown. Um, a lot of a lot of good teams, but I think I you know the seating is pretty um, consistent with what we've seen in results this year. Uh, I'll be eager to see how you know the bracket reveal works uh, stacks up with the committee. Yeah, the only question is, you know, looking at Baylor here, you know, they're five and two in quad four. So they have a quad three loss, two quad four losses. They're four and eight in quad one. So they've played well as of late. And as you said, they've kind of remade themselves. I'm kind of curious to see how the committee is really going to look at them uh, compared to, say, an Oklahoma or an Iowa or Minnesota, um, some teams that are probably right there in their area. So that'll be the biggest question to me is see how, you know, you guys and, and, and then myself look at a team like Baylor and then how the committee looks at Baylor will be interesting. Here's here's a similar comparison in last year. Providence was 31 in the RPI, which the committee's using the net this year, but in a similar fashion. Um, Baylor's in the 30s in net. Uh, Providence was 5-8 and eight in quad one, 5-2 in quad two, 6-1 and one quad three, and 5-2 and two in quad four, and they they were seeded 35th overall, a ninth seed. Mm. So w- when you look at Baylor uh, this year for us, they are 36, four and eight, eight and one, two and one, five and two. Um, their tier, you know, like I said, those specialty tiers that are out three and five are close to Louisville and Ohio State worthy. Mm-hmm. They're they're better than Virginia Tech, um, better than Wisconsin. Um, e- almost equal to Houston and Purdue in those top tier 1A and 2 and 2A um, categories. So that's why we put them in the 8 or 9 range because they compare to what the committee's done in the past. And I think good, solid wins trump bad losses, right? And so um, that's what I've seen in the past. The question comes down, you know, th- Arizona State, three quad one wins, eight quad two, two quad three losses, two quad four losses. That's why we have them in. I think their number of wins trump the, the bad ones. Um, it's it's when you get down to you only have two quad one wins like Alabama, but you have two quad three losses that I think they cancel each other out, but there's nothing left over. I think Baylor has some leftovers after you look at their bad losses. So that's kind of why we have Baylor where they're at. But that's a good question. Okay, good deal. Anything else that you see that uh, that the common person might – have question with or something because well, before we started doing this, we had a ton of questions just mm-hmm. like that. Um, and, and as we dug into it, we had more and more questions. That's why Shelby Mast at the USA Today, it, it, I can't thank him enough. Uh, bracket guy Dave, Dave Oman from uh, NBC Sports in Milwaukee has done a good job. Um, Andy Bottoms from Assembly Call, all of these people, we had these questions. Why did you put Baylor as an eight? They would share with us. And so that's part of the reason why we're on Twitter so much and part of the reason why 
we we're trying to do these bracket you podcasts is to give back to the bracket community. Um, so that, that was a, a good question. Anything else, uh, catch you here before we have to sign off? No, uh, I was just looking, uh, obviously, uh, and some teams around where Indiana's at, uh, you know, I think if in, you know, Creighton, Indiana beats Ohio state, Arizona state, St. John's temple, if all those teams lose early, and obviously if Ohio state loses, Indiana wins, uh, that's going to bode well for the Hoosiers. And I think, you know, if some of those teams lose early, then you have, say, a Belmont um, and then Clemson, North Carolina State right there. It's, it's going to be very intriguing to see how the bubble burst for teams looking at it in these metrics and just seeing the teams behind them maybe to take advantages. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the field looks looks good right now just with what I've seen in games uh, that I've watched this year. So uh, I'm ready for this weekend. It'll be interesting, and it does bring another level of interest to the first and second rounds of these big tournaments. Mm -hmm. uh, before we got into this, it was always okay. I'd watch at the semifinal or championship, but now there's huge implications uh, on getting into the tournament for North Carolina State, Clemson, Indiana, Ohio State, Temple. Uh, these first-round games are very, very meaningful. So, Josh, thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, always appreciate your input and and uh, bringing you along in the bracket world. You'll be an expert before uh, too long. We'll have to uh, video conference you into the morning meetings with the, with the guys. We have a big meeting tomorrow morning. We have our final meeting Thursday night here at the house in the man cave uh, for three or four hours to solidify the bracket after those first round games are, are completed. So we're, we're excited to try to um, stay up in the, in the bracket matrix, uh, but we thank you for being here. Yeah, I, I'm glad to be a part of the club. Uh, it's gonna, I'm gonna learn a lot, and I'm gonna appreciate it, and everything that you, uh, you've taught me. So I, I hope to be. I've always wanted to be into bracketology. I've seen, you know, Lunardi on ESPN, and it's like, man, I wish I could have that job. So now I just want to be a part of your crew, and I'll do it for free. <laughs> that, that, that's great. You, you'll definitely be one for for the years to come. So for Josh Wilson, I'm Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology. This is Sports Talk with Tonsoni. Bracket you. Happy hoops watching this week and the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a fun ride. Check back in with us at DelphiBracketology.com. Interact with us on Twitter. The handle is at Delphi Brackets. Uh, we're proud to help uh, clear up any questions you have. So, um, so long. Happy hoops watching.